Hello everyone and welcome to the Bristol Walkfest podcast with me, Pommy Harmer. The festival starts on Sunday, May the 1st and a number of walks are being organised by the Bristol Ramblers. We dedicated a previous programme to them and I wanted to hear about what we might expect if we joined the group here in Bristol. So who better to ask than the chair of Bristol Ramblers herself, Heather Toyne. And she told me what inspires her to walk and how walking runs in the family. Bristol Ramblers Group is a part of a national body, as you know, and the main thing we do is organise a fantastic programme of walks, about 300 walks a year, all kinds of walks. But the national organisations, obviously, we're, we're aligned to that and we're, like that body, committed to some of the principles about looking after our environment, keeping our footpaths open and building a future for our next generation to be able to enjoy the beautiful countryside that we also enjoy. Fabulous. So Bristol Ramblers, 300 walks. Where do you go and how long are they? We've got walks on three different days of the week in general. So that's every Saturday morning, all day Sunday or part of Sunday, and also on Wednesdays. And the walks are different lengths. So if you like shorter walks, then we've got something called the B Group on a Sunday, and they tend to walk anything between 6 and 12 miles. If you like longer walks on a Sunday, then you can come out with the A Group, and we do everything from a 14-mile flattish walk to hill walks. So once a month, we go out to maybe the Welsh Mountains with the A Group, which is fantastic, but that will be quite a quite a demanding walk. Many people like to start with easier walks and, and work up, and one of the great things is seeing your fitness increase. So you may come in, start doing a Saturday morning walk or a, a shorter Sunday walk. And, you know, within a few weeks or months, you'll be coming out with the uh, more strenuous A group. And many of our walkers have really improved their fitness. And it's the sort of thing, if you do it regularly, you do really notice the difference with being able to do the harder walks. Yes, walking is really good for fitness, isn't it? Tell us some of the benefits that people will get if they start walking regularly? So people think about the the fitness, but it's not like going to the gym where it's all a bit of an effort, isn't it? Going to the gym and you're on the cross trainer and you're thinking this has got to be good for me because the great thing about walking is that you're getting fit without really even thinking about it. I mean, sometimes I walk for um, out with the, the ramblers and I don't even realise that I'm doing hard exercise up a hill or something because you're chatting to people all kinds of people that you meet in the Rappelers that you probably wouldn't meet in ordinary life. I guess the, the other benefits of, uh, of it are going to places that maybe you don't normally go to. So we go everywhere from the Cotswolds, the Quantocks, the Mendips, and also further afield. We've got some of our leaders enjoy going down uh, all the way to Exmoor, the Black Mountains, and the Bracken Beacons, which is a bit further. I guess the really big benefit, though, is, you know, being out there in the fresh air. And one of the things that I particularly love are the seasons. And so you can even go to the same place 
although we seldom do, but and seeing the, the, the different seasons. So in the springtime, the, the lambs and the catkins and the daffodils. And then as we move into May, the Mayflower blossom. And, and over the summer, everything's in, in full bloom then and green. And sometimes it's a bit warm and a bit hot, but it's all part of the, the pleasure of seeing the seasons change. And then the autumn colours, that's a really fantastic time for walking is when everything's uh, orange and the leaves are beginning to fall. And then even the winter with, um, you know, get one of those crisp winter days with the frost and the pattern on the leaves and everything underfoot being crisp. And that's uh, maybe a bit of a winter sunshine as well. That's a fantastic time to walk. So that's one of the things because I've been walking a long time that I really enjoy now is the different characters of each of those seasons that you really notice when you're out walking. That winter sun, there's nothing like it, isn't it? When it's low in the sky, the light is just extraordinary sometimes. And you get the mist as well. So, Heather, have you always been a walker? Would you say you were a walker even when you were a sort of young teenager? I guess when I was a teenager, no, I wasn't really very interested in walking. I didn't really do any exercise at all. But when um, I was around about 30, it's that kind of age where you just notice things beginning to sag a bit and uh, not not being quite um, as fit as you were. And I did um, then get into walking. And I think I was probably early 30s when I did my first Rambler's Walk. But like many people, I took time out to have my son. And I think it is quite a challenge to combine walking with you know small children so there are different times in your life because you realize what a pleasure and a privilege it is to just take that bit of time and peace I work quite a hectic busy job in the daytime and um, I work for the NHS and it's you know really busy and full-on and the great thing I come out on a Sunday with the Bristol Ramblers and you leave all that behind you can't check your emails you can't worry about where you're just completely in the moment and I think it's a really good way of handling stress because it's sort of you know you're just there in 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 the moment with the group with the people that you're with and in the countryside I you know think it's a fantastic way to relax. So Heather you're the chair and I believe that runs in the family does it? Yes that's right my father oh gosh must be 20 something he was also the, the chair of the Bristol Ramblers and people think that he must have persuaded me to come out walking because that's what you think isn't it but actually it was the other way around so I persuaded him to come out walking and then he subsequently became the chair so I think I take the credit for him becoming the chair of the Bristol Ramblers and I suppose the other family connection is that I did actually meet my husband on a walk uh, oh that was 28 years ago we went down to the Quantox and um, because we car share, there were three of us in the car because another lady had come with us. And I, I did think he was ever so, ever so nice. And I thought, how can I engineer to come back so I can kind of chat him up in the car? So I persuaded someone else to give the lady a lift home. And I came back with him and um, he was talking about spending Christmas on his own because this was kind of the summertime. And I thought, I don't want him to spend Christmas on his own. So Christmas Day, we did actually go for a walk that following Christmas Day. And yeah, two or three years after that, we had uh, our son and um, we were married in the August before that. So, yeah, I wouldn't like to say that, you know, you'll definitely meet your husband if you come out with the Bristol Ramblers. But I do know I'm not the only one who has. So (laughs) That's a lovely story. What a great story. Yes, I I definitely would encourage people um, because even if you don't meet your partner, you definitely will make lots of amazing friends. And I've met 
friends that I walk with, I see socially, um, that have been great friends uh, through the years because there's something about spending an entire day or several hours with somebody talking to them that you talk, you know, in a way that in, in ordinary times, if you've just gone out for a drink or you're dancing, it's not the same kind of connection that you make with people when you're spending all day talking to them. So it's a great way to make friends and make connections with people in a really meaningful way. Absolutely. And so if somebody wants to join the Ramblers, tell us about that. What does it cost and what does it involve and what can you do as a Rambler member? So um, if then somebody lives in the Bristol area, I'd recommend they look on the Bristol Ramblers website and you can go to the walks programme straight away and you can see the range of walks that we offer. And um, I guess the thing is to think about how fit you are and not sort of immediately think well I'm going to do that 15 mile hill walk in Wales but be kind of realistic maybe try an easier one first and you can try three taster walks without having to pay anything so I'd recommend that you do that and if it's your first one there's normally either an email address or a phone number for the leader and I know it's a bit sort of nerve-wracking coming out for the first time so I'd suggest um, getting in touch with the leader checking you know what's the walk going to be like is it going to be muddy what do I need to wear do I need poles are there any difficult climbs and the leader will be able to tell you all those things and they might be able to give you an idea if it's an appropriate sort of walk if you're not used to coming out come and try with us first. Heather thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about the Bristol Ramblers. Now it's the turn of Marley's Moorsink, a rambler with the B Group. Marley's, here I am, amazingly, in a farmhouse in the middle of the city. Uh, how long have you lived here? I've been here since 2016. When I first moved to Bristol, I um, very fortuitously met somebody who was already living here. It's um, at Co-Housing Bristol through a summer singing camp. And it turned out that there was a room coming free and I was the lucky person to get the thumbs up and to move in. So you're not from Bristol. I know that. Where are you from? I was born in the United States and um, my mother's American, father's Dutch. So I have a mixed background. When did you come and live in this country? In about 2000, but only discovered the Ramblers in 2018. So it took me a while. And you're in the B group, is that right? That's right. There are at least two groups that go out on a Sunday, so I'm still working. So my walking times are on the weekends, and it's very convenient for me then to go walking every Sunday. It's a great way to get out. There are two groups for slightly for more mature walkers. There's the A group and the B group, and the A's are... They go slightly longer distances and they're more keen on going up and down lots of hills. And the B group is more gentle and um, we, I would say rambling describes what do we do quite well. That sounds like a lot of fun. And where's the last walk you went on? So I've been with the Ramblers for a few years now and thought it would be a good idea to step up and not just go on the walks, but maybe lead a walk or two. So this last weekend I was out pre-walking, which is, you know, taking a look at a route and seeing how feasible it'll be and making sure that, you know, there aren't any overgrown paths. And that walk was between East Harp Tree and Hinton Blewett. So it's down by Chew Lake and it's absolutely gorgeous countryside and the walk has fabulous views down over the lake near the beginning and then back over the lake towards the end and in the middle. You go down towards um, and you're near the lake shore. 
Oh, I love that area of the world. Presumably go out whatever the weather. Well, it's obviously your own choice. There are there there are definitely more and less hardcore people. So it's quite quite reasonable to be a fair weather rambler. However, there are certainly people who um, pride themselves on going out whatever the weather. So where's your favourite part of the world to walk in? So I would say that the Cotswolds are what I've become most familiar with and it is just so lovely. You walk through small villages, you know, every now and then and it's meandering paths and you have a combination of woods and uh, farmers' fields and it's very picturesque. Then another thing, aside from the Sunday walks, there are also opportunities to go away for a weekend. Again, on weekends, self-organized by the, by the group. We've been to the Brecon Beacons and up to the Peak District and also to Shropshire. And then with a weekend away, you get to know each other that much better, especially if you're camping out with, you know, five of your fellow ramblers. Did you say camping out? I did, yes. So some people like to stay in B&Bs and other people quite enjoy the campgrounds. So I'm one of the campers. Oh, wow. Camping. So um, what sort of age group is it then? It sounds like it's a lot younger than I thought it was. Everybody's very vigorous and young at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely put. So there really is a range of ages. There are different groups within the Ramblers. So there are groups that are for people who are in their 20s and 30s and groups for people in their 40s and 50s. And I personally am a working woman and only have the weekends to go out for a walk. I find that it's plenty vigorous for me. And um, yeah, I've just met such a range of interests in the group and people who are from all walks of life. Okay, so one of the important things of going out for the day is you need to take packed lunch. And I'm asking everybody, so I'm going to ask you, what is your favourite food to take, in particular snacks? <laughs> well, this is important to say. Everything's very well paced. So there is always a lunch break, uh, you know, halfway through the walk and a morning tea break and an afternoon tea break. So I definitely have my flask with whatever I'm in the mood for that day, my favorite tea or some coffee. And in the morning, I might have biscuits of some kind. It's uh, just something that I'm partial to. Uh, Lunch, picnic lunch, typically sandwiches, some fruit, some veg. And in the afternoon, um, let's see, Eccles cakes. Eccles cakes. No one has said Eccles cakes. This is giving me ideas, you see, the only reason I'm asking, because I'm fed up with trail bars. (laughs) Yes, I have to um, attribute those to my partner, who's a big fan of Eccles cakes. I I didn't really know them before... uh, and can you buy them here, round here? Uh, yes. I mean, you, you can get them in the co-op and, you know, bakeries make them too, uh, you know, and, and you get finer versions of them, I think, if you can find a bakery that makes them too. I think Parsons even has them, so we can go there. Fine dining Eccles cakes from Parsons <laughs> and other good bakers. <laughs> Anything else that would make you say, join the Ramblers today? It's such a blessing to be living in Bristol and have this magnificent landscape and outdoors area just right at our fingertips. So, oh, it just lifts my spirits to get out into the countryside. You can walk for a full day without seeing any other walkers practically. It's just you're out there with your group and you feel like 
you have the world to yourself. And if the weather's with you, then absolutely brilliant. Lovely camaraderie. Oh, I suppose one thing that I haven't, haven't mentioned, one thing that the Ramblers have done for me personally, logistically, if I might say, um, I don't have a car. And I would otherwise have to rely on buses to get out to the starts of walks and who knows whether they're running or running on time. The Ramblers have made it possible through lift sharing and very well organized lift sharing um, for me just to pop into the center of Bristol on a Sunday morning, meet up with a group and get a ride to the beginning of the walk with a fellow rambler. Fabulous. Oh, thanks so much there to Marlies Morsink. Now it's time to welcome back our favourite rambling expert, Nigel Andrews. And this time he told me about navigation and long distance walking. I know if we go out on a rambler's walk, we're not going to get lost because it will be led. But if we wanted to go out for one, you know, just with our family, what's the best thing? Do we use maps? How do we learn how to use maps? Or are there really good apps that we could use? Well, there are apps, but I must say I'm a big fan of maps for navigation. I see people looking at their phones and it's all well and good, but it only covers a very small area. It might tell you where you are in the field or in the edge of woodland. But if you want to know what the village with the church you can see two miles away, then that's where you need the map. And I think it's also, if you are going to start navigating yourself, you need to familiarise yourself with Ordnance Survey maps, know the principal symbols, understand what contours are and whether they're showing you whether you're going to be going up or down. And that way you will actually find out a lot more about your surroundings. Uh, you can, of course, use guidebooks. There are plenty of very good guidebooks for shorter walks, which is where, um, where a lot of people start. And yeah. But um, one of the great things about walking is getting used to maps and then getting to love them. I mean, the famous Lake District uh, walker, Alfred Wainwright, said that uh, maps were his favourite sort of reading. And I'm, I'm very nearly there. I can spend hours with maps designing walks and looking at things. So, again, the more you get into it, the more crucial maps get. So I'm a big fan. And if, if we do learn to use maps... One of the joys of walking also is to allow ourselves to get lost occasionally. And then, you know, you can use always use the map to navigate back. But it's quite nice not to be too, to think, well, I wonder what's down here. Let's go and have a look. And not worry that you yes, won't be able to get yeah. back again. Absolutely. Yes, that's right. Because sooner or later, and we all do it, we get off our chosen route. So, yes, you need the ability to refine the routes that you were, you were following or in or to adapt the walk to create something else. So again, it's not something you need to worry about in your first couple of walks. But as your, your skills develop, your ambitions grow, then yes, I, I think it's a very important part of any walker's skill set to uh, be familiar with maps and know how to use them. Is there anything you can say about long distance walking, multi-day walking? That, that is a little bit different from just going out for the day? Mm, sure. Well, I mean, there are many wonderful uh, long-distance footpaths to um, follow. And you have written the guide to a very fantastic local long-distance walk. Tell me about that. I have. It's an 85-mile route from Bristol to Brecon, which goes via Chepstow, Usk, Abergavenny, Tanubont on Usk and reaches Brecon. 
and the, um, the scenery improves with every day. I mean, it's good to start with, but then by the time you get to the Black Mountains and the Brecon Beacons, it's spectacular. And it's not just the, uh, the hills, there's really lovely valley walking too. Just one tip I would say to anybody doing it, probably not one for high summer, July and August with overgrown vegetation and particularly bracken on the sides of the hills. But um, it's a walk I'm very fond of. And I've also uh, devised a shorter walk from Bradford-on-Avon to Porter's Head on a path in Bristol, which is 45 miles. And I've designed that one so that you can do ch any chunk of it you like using public transport because there are a number of stations along the way. That's obviously a shorter outing, three days if you're doing the long days, but as many as you like if you want to do it in, in um, shorter stages. And anybody seeking information about that can look at the Bristol Ramblers website and there is a full uh, route description on there. For general purposes and planning for long distance walks, obviously making sure that you've got the fitness to do them because obviously it's much more demanding than on just a day walk. Most people find that after two or three days, they get into the swing of it. Maybe the second or third day, they might think, oh, it's a bit tough. But then you suddenly grow into the walk and it becomes the most natural thing in the morning to get up and, and go walking. And it generally gets a little easier as you go. They're great fun to do, very rewarding. And the sort of feeling of a journey between different uh, sorts of scenery, different places is really exciting. And I, I'd certainly recommend them to, to anybody with the uh, requisite fitness and enthusiasm to do them. I think there's nothing more joyous than to have nothing else to do in your to-do list except get from A to B. Uh, or maybe think about what you're going to eat, actually. You do have to do that. But uh, it's just a wonderful experience. And you're right, you cover the landscape and you can sort of cover quite a lot of distance in two or three days. And if you're going for a week or two, then, you know, you're, you're covering two or three counties, maybe. So if somebody was planning a long distance walk for the first time, what would you recommend they think about? Well, the key to it is, of course, accommodation and where it's available. So you'll have some idea of how far you feel comfortable walking in a day. And then you, ne you need to look at the available accommodation. There are now various companies that will actually book it for you, but that obviously comes at a price. If you want to do your own booking, my tip would be book the difficult places first. So, you know, say a village with only one B&B. &B. And then the more popular centres, you can possibly leave until a bit later. But it, is, it does require a certain amount of coordination. And once you've started doing it, you want to really get it finished as soon as possible so that you know you've got accommodation waiting for you on each leg of the walk. And you can book luggage transfers in most places, which will take whatever you need in the evenings. But I mean, I found that you can just carry what you need if you pack very light. Yes, entirely personal. You only need one fleece and one waterproof, don't you? Yes. You only need one change of clothing. And if you buy very light clothes, they will wash and dry overnight. That's right. Yes. And that's a joy as well, because then you're just carrying what you need on your back. And it, and it isn't really too heavy, I don't think. Yes. I mean, apart from uh, when you are going to the hills and perhaps uh, uh, take, take a little bit more. So the coast to coast, of course, does cross the Lake District. 
It's largely through valleys, although there are options to uh, visit some of the high fells. And again, if you do that, that's going to be based on your personal experience and the weather conditions that are prevailing. Thanks there to our very own expert on all things walking, Nigel Andrews. Let's meet Ken Brown now. He's been a walker all his life. He can spot where wild boars have been. And he explained to me what larking is all about. I started by asking him where his favourite walks are. I suppose the ones that I like best are where we're out in the depths of the countryside. Um, So, for example, we did a lovely walk. In fact, we did two lovely walks in the Forest of Dean. And um, that was just amazing. You know, you come across the industrial archaeology and you can see where the wild boars have been. You're looking out for the birds as well. It's wonderful. How do you know that you've just seen where the wild boars have been? Ah, quite interesting because they dig up the ground. They dig it up and it's all over the place in the Forest of Dean and it's quite interesting to see. So, But that in itself helps with the ecology because going back in time in England we used to have wild animals roaming and they would churn up the ground and they would encourage other plants to grow, other species to develop in the area and um, that's so wild boars are great for that sort of thing. Yeah, but you can see they churn the ground up. It's like a plough been through that part of the forest. So for anyone who doesn't know the Forest of Dean, tell me where it is and, and, you know, describe it a bit for us. Well, the Forest of Dean is kind of like um, sort of northwest of Bristol. It's it's within easy driving distance. Um, typically go over the bridge and then sort of turn right, basically, once you're into the sort of Chepstow area. But it's fairly wooded, mainly oak trees, but they have lots of tracks and rides that go through the forest, which enable the walks to take place quite nicely. And you can break out into fields if you want to, or you can stay within the woods. And there's usually there's a lot of water around as well. There are quite a few lakes that you can come across. It's a really, really nice area. Oh, it's a whole new area to explore, isn't it? There's so many areas like that around Bristol. There's the Mendips, the Cotswolds, there's Bath, there's the Forest of Dean, I suppose there's the Black Mountains. Which is your favourite? Cotswolds and the Mendips, I think because you've got more variety there, so you might be in a woodland setting one moment and then the next you're in open fields. Um, if you're in the Cotswolds, you've got to be prepared for climbing quite a few hills. Um, so it can be a bit, a little bit tiring on the legs, but it's a, it's a mixture of both. You get the views over the Severn in both areas, actually, don't you? And right over to Wales. And on a good day, you can see miles and miles. Yeah, you can, you can. And, you know, when you're looking at the impact of the landscape on how we live our lives it's it's really interesting because we tend to think that we're sort of stuck in a city somewhere uh, but as soon as you start walking out and you can see these long distances and you can appreciate the amount of woodland that there is and fields and so on we're so fortunate in this country and the views are amazing yeah absolutely amazing I mean, the views, we're not looking at wilderness, are we? We're looking at managed views over many, many centuries. Yeah, we are. We are. And looking back, 
uh, what the farmers have been doing with pulling up the hedgerows and things like that. That's all a little bit disappointing, but it's coming back and we can now see that the, that the nature is beginning to sort of return. So, yeah, it, it's a wonderful country and it's fairly natural, which is great. And uh, is nature one of the things that you like about going for a walk? Do, are, you, are you a naturalist? Do you know your wildlife and your trees and your plants? Yeah, I know my birds more than I do. I suppose I know my trees fairly well, but always on the lookout for birds and, yeah, general wildlife. I'm not much good when it comes to flowers, but usually within the group, there's someone who will kind of like say what something is. So that's good. Um, do a little bit of larking, you know, just finding what you can on the ground and industrial areas. You might find some old slag from some of the kilns that have been around. Larking, that's a great word, isn't it? I've heard of mud larking on the River Thames, but I've not heard anyone use it in terms of going for a walk around here. Uh, obviously, with the amount of uh, metal detecting that's been going on, it needs to be a little bit more controlled. But you can do larking just walking down lanes, whether it's looking for signposts, whether it's looking for um, evidence of minerals in the ground or hedgerows. You know, the, the whole larking thing is really good. And you can build up your own little uh, number of artefacts that you kind of take from walks, which is really really good and there are books on larking now so yes no it's not just mud larking so give me an example of what you might find well i think particularly if you're going through an industrial area or you might not realize it's an industrial area and when you're walking along a lane you might suddenly come across all this fairly blue looking aggregate in the ground and wonder what it is and realize that it's actually probably from some local kilns and you can begin to sort of build that up um, up on the mendips you can do a little bit of fossil hunting where you've got the local rivers or the local where there's been flooding and it's pulled out the little creatures from the, within the soils. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I've got too much stuff now that I, I need to sort of start throwing it away. But, um, yeah, over the years I've been fascinated by it, yeah. And what's your most prized collection? What's your most prized possession? Yeah, I think um, it was when I was walking along the, the base of the Severn, underneath the Severn Bridge, the original Severn Bridge. And the geology there is really interesting and you can find a lot of the fossils there. And there are some things that look like snails. Um, and I can't remember exactly what they're called, but yeah, they're really nice. And you get some little ammonites there as well. So yeah, I mean, treasures that, yeah, I'm afraid are in a cardboard box now, but yeah, will need to get thrown out at some point. Oh, hope not too soon. Yeah. Maybe you could frame them, one of those deep frames from Ikea. Uh, well, maybe, maybe. But, you know, I think uh, with the Ramblers, we're quite often finding that there are new people coming to sort of come along and, and join us in the group. So a little bit of encouragement for them as well is really nice and getting to know them and helping them and so on. And... Uh, that's another side of the Ramblers that I find is really interesting is the camaraderie, the friendship that you make and that you build up. Um, so, for example, I'm looking forward. We're all going to go camping again this year uh, like we did last year. And um, it's great fun and we all really enjoy it. Do you know where you're going yet? 
This year, I think it's going to be in Pembrokeshire, St David's. Beautiful part of the world. Thanks so much, Kem, for joining me today. Pleasure. Finally, let's hear from Carolyn McNicholas, who is a relatively new member of the Ramblers, but not at all new to walking. She's been used to hiking around Scotland, and so she likes the longest, toughest walks. She's recently been training to lead walks with the Ramblers walking holidays, and I asked her what that was all about. Well, it's a voluntary role, and uh, I've just recently done a two-day first aid course I've passed my silver navigation course and I'm shortly to go off and and, um, achieve my gold navigation course. Rambler Walking Holidays, they run a a weaker assessment and um, training module where we find out all about leading and, and what's required. So there are many, many different facets of leading and I'm looking forward to really honing my skills in terms of leading groups and then obviously coming back and helping to lead the Bristol Ramblers walks as well. That's amazing. I'd never heard of Ramblers holidays. They sound really good. Yes, they really are across the UK and across the world as well. So at the moment, um, they're offering holidays in the UK and Europe. But prior to COVID, they also offered holidays across the world and UK leaders would go out with the groups. And if you're a new walker or you're new to walking or you haven't walked for a long time because you've had small children, what would be the benefits of joining something like the Ramblers, do you think? It obviously improves fitness. There's nothing like walking up a hill. I don't think there's any equivalent kind of exercise in the gym. And running is a different type of exercise, really. It's very good for cardio in terms of going up those hills. And the distances that we walk up to 16 miles on a Sunday are really quite challenging. And do you know what? I never, ever realise how far I've walked. If I ever go back and do the walk again without having someone to talk to next to me, I think, my goodness, did I really walk this far? So as far as I'm concerned, walking and talking at the same time are the best possible exercise for the body and the mind. So I really enjoy the community. I really enjoy the friends I've made through ramblers and the opportunity really to explore lots of different areas around Bristol. So having arrived here and not really knowing much about Bristol or Bath and the countryside around it, I have been everywhere now in terms of walking with the ramblers. So it's really given me the opportunity to explore lots of new areas as well that I would never normally have had the opportunity to explore. And Carolyn, where's your favourite walk? I think my favourite walk has to be in the Brecon Beacons, um, going up the Dragon's Back and the view you get from the top of there and just the exhilaration of walking up a mountain, which is obviously very tough in terms of cardio. But when you get to the top, it's just amazing. You feel a real sense of achievement and um, the views are absolutely great. So um, we've also walked down by the coast in Wales, which has been really beautiful. We walked around Cheddar, around the Wye Valley, around Tetbury and Somerset. So I really have been to many, many different places. So yes, it's really given me an opportunity to view lots of different areas that I would not normally have gone to by myself. And most important question of all, Obviously, you need to take a packed lunch with you. What is your favourite snack? Well, obviously, chocolate is very important, um, but also I love apricots. So that would be my recommendation on my favourite snack to take. Apricots and chocolate. Oh, that sounds good. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for joining us. Happy walking. 
Thank you. And I would, really would encourage everyone to join Ramblers. And uh, I look forward to meeting you all. Well, that's it for this show. Thank you so much for listening. The festival is about to begin this Sunday on May Day and runs right the way through to the end of the month. Jen Graham, the organiser, can be heard talking about the huge range of walks in episode three. And you can find out more about Bristol Walkfest and have a look at the programme yourself by visiting the website, bristolwalkfest.com. This podcast was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer, and this episode was sponsored by The Ramblers. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll be finding out about slow ways.